right, here we are, and welcome back to Roshcast, episode 10. Thank you all for listening and for coming back week after week for more high-yield review. Yeah, and thanks for all the excellent feedback. Keep it coming at Roshcast at RoshReview.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode, as well as this episode at RoshReview.com slash blog. Let's get started with a rapid review from last week's episode. Jeff, what is the most common cause of pneumonia in an alcoholic? Well, don't forget that common things are common. So even though the question wants you to answer with Klebsiella due to the increased risk of aspiration, strep pneumonia is still the most common cause of pneumonia in alcoholics. Exactly. And what is radial nerve palsy and how do you manage it? Well, radial nerve palsy is a peripheral nerve lesion. It's typically caused by compression of the radial nerve in the axilla. The most common findings are wrist drop and hand numbness over the first to third digits. It's managed conservatively with a wrist splint and close follow-up with neurology. No imaging is necessary. Perfect. Name the valve and organism most classically associated with endocarditis and IV drug abusers. Well, IV drug abusers are at risk for tricuspid valve endocarditis, specifically with staph aureus. Excellent. And enlist the complications seen in a colchicine overdose. So this can be one of the more serious overdoses with a surprisingly high risk of sudden cardiac death. The typical overdose begins with severe GI distress and is then followed by bone marrow suppression, rhabdo, renal failure, metabolic acidosis, and even ARDS. Great. And what's the first-line therapy for a herpes zoster outbreak? The mainstay of treatment for herpes zoster is pain control, which usually requires a multimodal approach. Additionally, acyclovir may be prescribed within the first 72 hours of onset of the lesions. Perfect. Let's get started with some new questions for this week. All right, you're up first. A 43-year-old with pancreatic cancer presents with four days of gradually worsening left lower extremity pain. The pain is localized to the calf and is worse with ambulation. On exam, he has mild edema of the calf without erythema or warmth. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, cellulitis, B, deep vein thrombosis, C, peripheral artery disease, or D, superficial thrombophobitis? The correct answer here is choice B, DVT. Remember that the symptoms in physical exam for DVT are often nonspecific. They may include unilateral limb swelling and pain, redness, warmth, or even distended collateral veins. Some of the well-known predisposing risk factors are malignancy, immobilization, recent surgery, obesity, smoking, oral contraceptives, recreational drugs, and hypercoagulable states. Exactly. So this patient has a risk factor, his pancreatic cancer, along with the nonspecific exam findings of pain and swelling without obvious skin changes. A number of other Roche Review users thought that choice D, superficial thrombophobitis, was actually the right answer here. Might choice D, superficial thrombophobitis, also be correct in this case? Well, DVT is definitely the better answer here. Superficial thrombophlebitis, which is a thrombus in a superficial vessel, would present with many of the same symptoms, but you'd often find a tender nodular cord, which would help you confirm that diagnosis. Right. And just to be thorough, choice A, cellulitis, also isn't the answer here, as it's usually associated with erythema and warmth. Choice C, peripheral artery disease, may also present with leg pain. That pain's typically intermittent claudicative pain, or pain with exertion that's relieved by rest. You may also see some skin changes in that case, as well as hair loss, numbness, or weakness of the affected leg. And I have one last related, and shall I say, bonus question for you. Do you know what Phlegmasia cerulean dolens is? Phlegmasia cerulean dolens, literally meaning painful blue leg. It is a severe form of DVT with large thrombotic occlusion to major and collateral veins. Yeah, and you definitely want to get your vascular surgery colleagues involved in the case as early as possible, since these patients will all need an intervention. Moving on to the exact opposite end of the body, next we have an ophthalmologic question. A 25-year-old man presents with right eye pain, tearing, and photophobia. You quickly instill fluorescein, which reveals a corneal abrasion. Which of the following is the most likely prognosis? Is it A, complete resolution within 24 to 72 hours, B, corneal erosion and perforation, 
C, diminished unilateral visual acuity, or D, recurrent lesions with viral reactivation? The correct answer here is choice A. You would expect to see near-complete resolution of symptoms from a corneal abrasion within 24 to 72 hours. Most of these abrasions are caused by ocular trauma or a foreign body, and the presentation is usually with unilateral ocular pain with tearing, conjunctival injection, photophobia, and maybe a sensation of a foreign body. Yeah, and don't forget to evert the eyelid as part of your physical exam to look for the foreign body, which can lead to recurrent painful abrasions in that same eye. Although the question doesn't specifically ask about it, let's talk about the treatment options here. Typically, you would let the patient go home with topical antibiotics like erythromycin or ciprofloxacin, and don't forget to update their tetanus if needed. Nice, and let's quickly go over the other answer choices before moving on. Corneal erosion and perforation, that's choice B, is a complication of corneal ulcerations which can occur after an abrasion, but that's a pretty rare complication. Diminished unilateral visual acuity seen in choice C is often seen after traumatic injuries like globe rupture, intraocular foreign body, or hyphema. And last we have choice D, recurrent lesions with viral reactivation. That's referring to a complication of herpes simplex keratitis. Excellent. Let's move on to the next question. In which setting is allopurinol contraindicated for the treatment of gout? Is it A, in an acute attack of gout? B, in an alcoholic patient? C, in a hyperuricemic patient with a uric acid level greater than 8? Or D, in combination with colchicine? Tough question here, but I'm going to go with answer choice A. During an acute attack of gout, allopurinol is contraindicated. Remember that allopurinol is a xanthine oxidase inhibitor, which means it not only decreases uric acid production, but also increases more soluble metabolites. For this reason, many rheumatologists have hypothesized that by initiating therapy, you can actually cause a change in the serum uric acid level and potentially worsen the acute attack. Interestingly, there was recently a randomized control trial in 2015, albeit a small trial of only 31 patients, that showed no change in duration of symptoms when starting low-dose allopurinol during an attack. Regardless, the textbook answer here is choice A, allopurinol is contraindicated for the treatment of acute gout. Yeah, and in an acute attack, NSAIDs and ICE are the first-line treatment. If NSAIDs cannot be tolerated, prednisone or tramcinolone injections can be tried. Colchicine can also be used. It reduces the formation of uric acid crystals in the joint. However, colchicine has a pretty narrow therapeutic window. Right, and although most EM practitioners are unlikely to actually review the slides, the pathologic findings are often found on exam, so I think it's worth reviewing. Gout is caused by monosodium urate monohydrate crystals that are needle-like and negatively birefringent. In comparison, pseudogout is caused by positively birefringent crystals. One more time, gout, negatively birefringent, pseudogout, positively birefringent. Lastly, gout most classically affects the first MTP joint, whereas pseudogout typically affects the larger joints like the knees and the ankles. Great, looks like we have another ophthalmic question up next. A 52-year-old man presents with a red right eye that is associated with severe pain and blurred vision. On exam, there's some cloudiness to the cornea. Pupils are 5 millimeters on the right and 3 millimeters on the left. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, acute glaucoma, B, conjunctivitis, C, iritis, or D, keratitis? So here we have a middle-aged man with a red, painful eye and blurry vision, as well as asymmetric pupils. These are all the classic findings of acute glaucoma, or answer choice A, which is a real ophthalmologic emergency. Right, and glaucoma is characterized by an increase in intraocular pressure, which can cause irreversible damage to the optic nerve if not treated properly. There are two forms to know here. There's open angle and angle closure. Open angle is the more common form and is commonly seen in the elderly. Acute angle closure, what this question is asking about, is caused by closure of the anterior chamber. Symptoms of acute angle closure glaucoma are rapid onset, unilateral, severe pain, and profound vision loss. Headache, nausea, and vomiting are not uncommon findings. On exam, you might see a hazy appearing cornea with a non-reactive dilated pupil. 
Yeah, and once you've confirmed your suspicion with tonometry showing an increased intraocular pressure, you should both consult Opto immediately as well as initiate treatment with topical beta blockers, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors, steroids, and myotics. For completeness, let's discuss why the other answer choices here were wrong. Conjunctivitis and keratitis would have normal-sized pupils. Iritis typically presents with constricted pupil and a clear cornea. All right, I think two eye-related questions is enough for today. Next, we're turning to something that you and I don't frequently see in the Northeast, envenomation. Envenomation by which of the following is associated with a heightened sensitivity to touch in the area of the envenomation, along with local numbness and weakness? Is it A, a black widow spider, B, a brown recluse spider, C, a pit viper, or D, a scorpion? The correct answer here is answer choice D, scorpion. Envenomation from scorpions typically causes both local symptoms like edema, erythema, and heightened sensitivity in the area of the sting, as well as systemic symptoms like fasciculations, a disconjugate gaze, and temperature reversal. In a test-taking scenario, another clue would be the location, as scorpions are most frequently found in the southwestern U.S. I think the other envenomations are worth going over as well, since they're also pretty rare. Black widow spider bites typically cause a local papule with a halo. Systemic symptoms often develop 15 minutes to an hour later and can include a dull, crampy pain at the site that then spreads over the entire body. The patient may even present with an acute, rigid, board-like abdomen. You might also see some muscle fasciculations and diaphoresis. Black widow spiders can be seen throughout the entire United States. And don't forget to look for the red hourglass on their abdomen, which helps to identify them. In comparison, the brown recluse spider is found typically in the Midwest. Brown recluse spider bites classically cause a papule that later blisters. The papule is said to resemble a bullseye, and 10% go on to form a necrotic ulcer. Although rare, severe cases can lead to a devastating systemic symptom like renal failure, pulmonary edema, and shock. And lastly, a pit viper snake bite will cause local swelling with oozing of blood from the wound. It can be associated with a DIC-like coagulopathy. Systemic symptoms like petechiae, ecchymosis, and hemorrhagic bullae can also be present. Skin and subcutaneous necrosis may also occur. Finally, let's close today's episode out with something more applicable to everyday practice. What is the most common symptom seen in acute bronchitis? Is it A, chest pain, B, cough, C, fever, or D, sputum? Well, the answer here is certainly choice B, a cough. Remember that bronchitis is very simply defined as inflammation of the lower airways. When patients ask if they need an antibiotic for adequate treatment, don't forget that viral pathogens are typically the most common cause and thus antibiotics aren't warranted. Treatment is aimed at symptom control and may include bronchodilators. Right, and in contrast, chronic bronchitis or COPD can both be exacerbated by bacterial pathogens. In these situations, antibiotic therapy may be helpful. Let's end this episode with a rapid review. DVTs typically present with nonspecific symptoms, including unilateral limb pain, swelling, redness, warmth, or even distended collateral veins. Predisposing risk factors for DVT include malignancy, immobilization, recent surgery, obesity, smoking, oral contraceptives, recreational drugs, and hypercoagulable states. Corneal abrasions typically resolve within 24 to 72 hours. They are typically caused by ocular trauma or a foreign body. Corneal abrasions should be treated with a topical antibiotic like erythromycin ointment or ciprofloxacin. Don't forget about tetanus. Allopurinol is contraindicated in the acute presentation of gout. First-line therapy is NSAIDs. Remember that negatively birefringent crystals are seen in gout and positively birefringent crystals are seen in pseudogout. Gout is often found in the first metatarsophalangeal joint, whereas pseudogout attacks typically occur in larger joints. The classic presentation of acute glaucoma is a red, painful eye with blurry vision and asymmetric pupils. Acute angle closure glaucoma is caused by closure of the anterior chamber. Treatment should begin with topical beta blockers, carbonic anhydrous inhibitors, steroids, and myotics. 
Scorpion stings produce local redness and edema with a heightened sensitivity to touch in an area of the sting with numbness and weakness to that same area. Scorpions are found in the southwestern United States. Watch out for the classic systemic symptoms like fasciculations and a disconjugate gaze, as well as temperature reversal and possible pancreatitis. Black widow spider bites cause a local papule with a halo. Severe systemic symptoms include a peritonitic abdomen, muscle fasciculations, and diaphoresis. Black widow spiders have a red hourglass in their abdomen and are found throughout the U.S. Brown recluse spiders are found in the Midwest. They cause a papule that blisters and then may necrose. Systemic symptoms include renal failure, pulmonary edema, and shock. Pit viper snake bites cause local swelling and oozing from the wound. Severe envenomations can lead to DIC-like coagulopathies and hemorrhagic bullet. The most common symptom of acute bronchitis is a cough. Acute bronchitis is treated with supportive care and is most commonly caused by a viral illness. All right, so that's it for the rapid review and thus concludes episode 10. We'll be taking a short break from releasing new episodes over the holidays, but be ready to go with us in the new year since we'll only be a few weeks away from the in-service. Happy holidays to you guys and all your families from us here at the Roshcast team as well as everyone at the Rosh Review. See you all next year.